my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 542. Welcome in. I'm doing well. Hope everybody had a good July 4th. And uh, man, I had a moment last night. I was swimming, looking out at the city and the mountains, just going like, ah, life is good. I'm happy. It's awesome. It's a bit humid here in Honolulu. Hair's wet. I think that doesn't help. I think uh, if anyone listening has curly hair, they can probably relate to this. Sometimes with my hair, I'm just a passenger. I like the long hair. I like having it curly. I think I look really bad with like the military buzz cut, but like it just does whatever it wants. And I try to, I I go along for the ride and do the best I can. Uh, I hope you're doing well. I, I really try every day. I'm trying to make this show. This is our third episode in the new studio. And every episode, I'm trying to make it look and sound just a little bit better. Hopefully, when you look back on Tuesday's episode, you can go, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, Thursday compared to Tuesday, this looks already way better. That's awesome. I think it's cool. Um, Now, I want to start today by talking about the 2022 NFL draft class, particularly at the quarterback position. There were nine quarterbacks drafted in the 2022 NFL draft, and there are two today that I really want to highlight because there are two that were drafted in later rounds that are going to be starting quarterbacks this fall that did not start last year. So in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft, Kenny Pickett was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was the lone first round pick at the quarterback position. And everyone kind of believed that he's the best guy. Pittsburgh's going to draft him. He's, you know, he played college football in Pittsburgh. They know him really well. That one made sense. Then in the third round, there were three quarterbacks drafted. Malik Willis went to Tennessee, Desmond Ritter went to Atlanta, and Matt Corral went to Carolina. And Matt Corral, by the way, was so good and gave the Panthers so much confidence that he actually got hurt. It's not really entirely his fault. But immediately uh, this year in the 2023 NFL draft class, Bryce Young was drafted by Carolina, number one overall. So he he's not even in the running to be a starting quarterback. He is. Um, it's, it's Bryce Young, Andy Dalton, and then Matt Corral's on the roster somewhere in Carolina. In the fourth round, New England drafted... Bailey Zappi. He played a little bit, looked pretty good in limited time. Then in the fifth round, Washington drafted Sam Howell. He was a guy who was believed to be a first-round pick going into uh, his last year in college football. Then the team around him wasn't as good. He fell a lot. His draft stock went down, down, down. He went from believed to be maybe the best quarterback in the draft class to a fifth-round pick. That was surprising and interesting. Then in the seventh round, Miami drafted Skylar Thompson, Pittsburgh drafted Chris Olodekun, and I hope I said that right. It's funny, I practiced that a bunch before recording, and and then the minute I got in the moment, I was like, oh no, don't say it wrong, I don't know, Chris Olodekun, I hope. And the last quarterback drafted in the seventh round, in fact, the last pick of the entire NFL draft in 2022, Mr. Irrelevant, the now second coming of Tom Brady. The guy who shattered all expectations is Brock Purdy, the quarterback in San Francisco, who led the 49ers to the NFC title game, got hurt against Philadelphia. If he doesn't get hurt in the NFC title game last year, it's possible as a rookie, he would have taken the 49ers to the Super Bowl. Now, uh, so, you know, Brock Purdy, starting quarterback in San Francisco, last pick of the seventh round, surprised everybody. Kenny Pickett's also a starting quarterback in Pittsburgh. But there are two guys who are starting this fall who were drafted in this draft class, which, by the way, this was supposed to be a really bad draft class. And I'm like, well, in hindsight, you got now four quarterbacks who are starting after one year in the NFL. That's pretty interesting to me. You've got Desmond Ritter in Atlanta and Sam Howell in Washington. So Sam Howell is now the starting quarterback in Washington. They've committed to him. They did an interesting thing this offseason. Instead of making a big move to try to go get a quarterback, making some crazy trade to move up and and draft C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson, and instead of making some big, you know, free agent move, they said, we're going to do absolutely nothing at quarterback. We're going to do the least work we possibly can when it comes to addressing the quarterback situation. We're going to do nothing. Sam Howell is our starting quarterback. We're going to commit to him early. He's our guy. So the big question in Washington is, will Sam Howell be good? And how good will he be if he is good? Let's see what happens. 
Now, there are three possibilities as to why Washington might have decided to make him their starting quarterback. The one that Washington will sell to you, the reason Washington will say, this is why we decided to make Sam Howell our starting quarterback, it's because we're confident in him. We believe in him. He's our guy. We liked what we saw last year, and you know what? He's a franchise quarterback. Bam, he's our man. A, of course they're going to say that because it's marketing and PR, and they're going to push the best narrative they possibly can to build hype and also, frankly, to build confidence in their young quarterback. You want to say the best stuff you possibly can to make this young man feel really good about what he can do. You want to instill confidence in him. Another possibility is that Washington is tanking. They're not trying to win. I don't believe this one. I, I just don't think that's true. They've got a good team around him. They've got a good defense. They've got a lot of good offensive weapons. I think Washington is a, is a team that, with the right quarterback, can win. I thought that last year. They added Carson Wentz. I'm like, man, cross your fingers. If Carson Wentz can play well, this is a football team poised to win football games. So I don't think they're tanking. What's more likely to me is that this is an experiment. Like, look, we got a guy we like, and we have some confidence in him. Let's see what happens. But what I, what I like most about this, honestly, is that they didn't, mortgage their future. They didn't trade away a ton of draft picks to move up in the draft. They didn't give some quarterback an insane contract. I look at some of the contracts in the NFL. Hey, man, a, a second-year quarterback who has a fifth-round pick, that's a really cheap contract for a franchise quarterback, and it allows you to pay other people and you know invest a lot of money in the rest of your team. That's how you win. You get a good quarterback on a rookie contract. Well, that's what Philly did last year. Philly went to the Super Bowl. Philly's really good still. But Jalen Hurts signed a two-year, or sorry, a five-year, $255 million contract. Let's see if years down the road, when that contract starts, you know, becoming due and they're paying Jalen Hurts a ton of money, can they still pay everyone else on their roster? The way to win is to, to win or get to a Super Bowl. In fact, <laughs> uh, it's what Philadelphia did last time they won a Super Bowl. They had Carson Wentz on a rookie contract paying their starting quarterback a cheap amount of money, allowing them to build a really good team around him. It's, a, it's an endless tale that the cheaper you can get the quarterback <clears throat> and the more money you have to pay his teammates and support him, the more likely you are to succeed. So I, I really like that Washington, I, I love this strategy. It's, um, I, I'm sub, how do I say this? Usually I, I talk about the big splashy move, go be aggressive, go make something happen, but how about the value? If Sam Howell can be a franchise quarterback as a fifth-round pick, paying him pennies compared to other starting quarterbacks in the NFL, and play well, he'll get paid eventually, let's be clear. But then you have this window of time where you're paying your quarterback nothing and can build a great football team and maybe make a playoff run, maybe do something awesome, make some big noise. Now, there's a clip of Ron Rivera going around on social media. Ron Rivera is the Washington head coach. He's got this quote saying, you know, if Sam Howell had come out of college a year earlier, he would have been a first-round pick. So, you know, we, we see what everyone saw that year. They're, they're trying to make this argument that, well, Sam Howell's the guy he was projected the year before he came out of college when he was projected to be a first-round pick. He's great. He's awesome. We love him. Well, um, if Sam Howell was as great as you say he is, you wouldn't have let him fall to the fifth round. That's that's first of all. Second of all, I don't. I, it might be true that Sam Howell's a franchise quarterback and awesome, but I don't like this argument because the person makes me think of is Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley's another guy with the same story. Matt Barkley was at USC, dominating. And after his junior year of college, he could have come out and been the number one quarterback selected, selected in the NFL draft. He decided to stay in college. He gave this famous speech, I've got unfinished business, and he lost millions and millions and millions of dollars. He got hurt and fell in the draft a ton. I've always wondered about that moment. I'd love to hear Matt Barkley's perspective. I, I hope he would say it all worked out. I got a good family. I'm, I'm still set for life. I've got enough money. I had a good career. I had a lot of fun. I believe he's still the backup in Buffalo. 
But that's a guy who was viewed as a franchise quarterback one year. A year later, fell in the draft a ton, and now obviously has not been a franchise quarterback. Matt Barkley, uh, kind of a weaker arm, just not, it didn't wow you in any way physically. He's a likable guy. He's fine. But I think Matt Barkley would tell you, I'm not a franchise quarterback. Hopefully not. I, actually, hopefully Matt Barkley would tell you, I never got the right opportunity at the right time. But Matt Barkley's no Josh Allen. He's no Justin Herbert. He's not even really Matt Ryan. So my point is that just because some guys like me, analysts, whatever, journalism type people, media folk, just because they say this guy's really good doesn't necessarily mean this guy's really good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of weird to me admit that, but it's like, I don't understand. I'll never toot my own horn. I'm just not that kind of guy. I sit, share my opinion. It's really fun for me. I love it. I think I know something about the game. But my, my number one job is to be interesting. Now, what, what I really don't understand is, you know, suddenly these rankings who, there's a guy, there's a great TikTok going around of a guy who talking about how he was a center, he was like six foot four in high school basketball, and he was ranked higher in basketball, high school basketball rankings than Russell Westbrook. It's like, obviously, Russell Westbrook was a way better player. Rankings are silly. Rankings are kind of like, eh, it's interesting to listen to. It's fun fodder. It's it makes you think. But just because some people ranked Sam Howell a long time ago at a really high level doesn't mean necessarily he's a franchise quarterback. It also doesn't mean he's not a franchise quarterback. He could be, he couldn't be. My point is the ranking doesn't matter. So this clip of Ron Rivera kind of using someone's argument against himself saying, you know, he was ranked a first round pick a year before. Why isn't he, why can't he be a franchise quarterback now? It's like, well, because rankings are silly. It's all dumb. It's a conversation that I, I don't want to follow any farther, but I think it's a it's good PR and good marketing speak by Ron Rivera. Now, how good is Sam Howell? I let's talk about his physical ability. I think he's awesome. The dude can run around a little bit. He's got a really good arm. Great timing. He's accurate. He can throw the ball downfield a long way. He can drive the ball on a line. I would say, as he's a little better runner than Baker Mayfield, but as far as arm strength and ability. He's very similar to Baker. He's a similar frame, like size, stature, mechanics, everything. He gets the most out of his arm strength, out of his body, out of his frame. His mechanics are beautiful. And there's a lot of good weapons around Sam Howell in Washington. They got two good running backs, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, three stud receivers, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, who's kind of a receiver. Curtis Samuel's a receiver running back hybrid. Got a tight end, Logan Thomas. I'm really optimistic about Sam Howell. I want that to be very, very clear. I'm feeling very positive. I love that Washington decided to commit to him. We're entering an era, I'm going to call it the patience era for quarterbacks, where how many quarterbacks in, in the history of the NFL just weren't given enough time to succeed? They were never properly supported. How many quarterbacks fail where we're like, you know, that guy just never had a good team around him. Or that guy was never given enough time to develop. And I really like that this era of the NFL is saying, why, why are we in such a hurry to throw quarterbacks away? Let, let's give the guy a shot. I love that Washington's doing this. I think it's awesome. And again, I want to repeat this. How cool is it that they might have found a franchise quarterback in the fifth round? He's cheap. They didn't have to make some crazy risky trade and lose all their future draft picks. They didn't have to give a guy, you know, $250 million fully guaranteed. Nothing insane. The value is amazing with Sam Howell, and I think he can play a little bit. I liked what I saw last year. I want to see him build off of it. I'm not going to commit to anything, but I think he's solid. And the weapons I have around him is good, are good. I, I'm interested, man. I'm going to lean in a little closer. Let's go. Let's watch it. I'm, I'm so excited to see what happens with Sam Howell this fall because I think the talent is there, and it's a team that's supporting him and hopefully just gives him time and patience. He's also been in the NFL a whole year, so nothing's new to him. He's been there, done that, been to training camp before. Once you've seen something for the first time once, you can really go, okay, how will I do it better next time? I remember I used to work in HVAC, installing air conditioning units. And, uh, you know, you go through your first really hot day installing an air conditioning unit. You're sitting on like a, a Home Depot bucket with, it's super hot, the sun's directly on you. 
And after my first day, I'm like, okay, I got to get knee pads. I got to get like a little stool. I got to get a canopy. And I had a canopy to, to block the sun, create some shade. I got like a little gardening knee pad that was amazing. My knees didn't hurt. Like I got the tools to do better. Once I'd seen it once, I'm like, okay, I know this process works. Let's make a couple little adjustments to make it easier and make myself better. Sam Howell's been through an entire NFL season. He knows training camp. He knows how everything works. So he's not learning everything for the first time. That really does matter. He's also got a veteran quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, behind him as the backup. I feel really, really good about Washington Commanders quarterback Sam Howell. I like their approach. I love their patience. I just want to see it work, man. It's so cool. Now, there's another quarterback. This era of patience in the NFL. Atlanta got a year watching Desmond Ritter play. You know, a little bit in the regular season, mostly as a, as a backup um, in practice. They got a year with Desmond Ritter, and they liked what they saw. They said, hey, there's something here with this kid. It's awesome. So I also love, I love the Atlanta Falcons quarterback situation. Their starting quarterback is Desmond Ritter. I love that they're giving him a shot. They're supporting him. They're investing in him. Again, no more spending a ton of money, no crazy trade. Just a team saying, yeah, let's support this guy. Let's give him the tools he needs to succeed and see what happens. And I, I think Desmond Ritter, I've heard a lot of comparisons to like Alex Smith. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, I, I don't know why Kirk Cousins became like the the poster boy for like the mediocre quarterback or the Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. He's a starting quarterback. He's just not ever going to be Patrick Mahomes. I don't know what the ceiling is for Desmond Ritter. I think he's solid. He's, he's like Matt Ryan who can run. My favorite thing about Desmond Ritter in this offense with Arthur Smith as head coach, I'm not the biggest fan of Arthur Smith as a head coach. I Every time I watch Atlanta, I'm frustrated by the fact that they don't trust their quarterbacks. Like they just do not trust their quarterbacks in key situations to throw the football. He's very run heavy. There were many times last year. Part of it was because their quarterback situation wasn't great in Atlanta. But there were many times where they would literally run the ball like 12 plays in a row for an entire drive. And it worked somehow. But you're like, hey, uh, we're just we're just not going to throw. We just don't. You know, you're, you're a professional football coach. You can't teach your quarterback how to throw the ball like a little bit even. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Whatever works for you. Arthur Smith is very, very, very conservative when it comes to play calling and trusting his quarterbacks. And I just don't love that. But one thing I am excited to watch when it comes to Desmond Ritter playing in Arthur Smith's system is Desmond Ritter can run. Look, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Justin Fields. But he's got some wheels. He can run a little bit. He can run the zone read. He can keep the defensive end honest. He's going to give them better numbers in the running game. I think that's part of what Arthur Smith likes about him. It's like, hey, being able to run the zone read gives us better numbers in the box and gives us better numbers running the football. And Arthur Smith loves loves, loves running the football. But yeah, Desmond Ritter, play action, zone read, bootlegs, a lot of stuff where he fakes a hand up and sprints out to the right or left, get on the perimeter, make defenders have to decide whether they're going to come to you and suck down and try to stop the quarterback from running or play coverage and allow Desmond Ritter to run downfield. It's awesome. Having a quarterback who can run gives your offense another dimension. Makes everything better and easier. And Desmond Ritter can do that. Um, I don't expect him to be this crazy playmaker. He's not going to be rolling right, throwing back across the field left and making insane throws and beating, you know, he's, he's not Patrick Holmes, okay? Let's, let's be clear about that. I think he's more of a game manager is maybe the word. Like, and what I mean by that is that Desmond, Desmond Ritter's job this fall is going to be to execute at a high level. Take care of the football. Don't do anything crazy, but, you know, execute your reads. Run when you can. Run when you have to. I do not believe Desmond Ritter is going to be asked to carry this football team. They drafted a running back in the first round, P. John Robinson out of Texas. That's who's going to carry this football team, at least on offense. They're going to run the ball heavily. They're not going to give their quarterback a lot of freedom. I don't believe that's not what Arthur Smith does but they're going to ask, ask him to do just enough to move the football. And I think Desmond Ritter can do that. And again, he can run. Now, Desmond Ritter works with Jordan Palmer, an awesome quarterback coach. I got to meet him 
uh, actually for the second, I met him in high school and then I met him again uh, in Vegas at the Shrine Bowl a couple months ago. And uh, in my opinion, Jordan Palmer is the very best at what he does in the world. It's cool that he can say that. Uh, actually, he wouldn't say that, I don't think, but I, I would say that about him. I told him that when I saw him. I came in, you're the very best in the business at what you do. And I, I really believe that. He's the best quarterback coach on the planet. That matters. That's kind of an advantage. Desmond Ritter works with the best quarterback coach on the planet. I think that helps him. And then to add, you know, a little more, I think, benefit to the argument or the situation, he's got Taylor Heineke behind him, a veteran quarterback who's competitive, who's going to help him, but also compete with him. I like it. I like what Desmond Ritter's got going for him in Atlanta. They got good weapons. They got three running backs, Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, and Corderell Patterson, who's a running back receiver hybrid. They'll use him at both. They need to because their number one receiver in Atlanta is Mac Hollins. No hate on the guy. I... I was like, Mac, Mac Hollins, really? The guy with the crazy afro from Miami? Okay, that's your number two receiver. Great. Look, love how they're supporting their quarterback in Atlanta. They're going to run, 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 run. Now, they do have two other good receivers. They've got tight end Kyle Pitts, who is a tight end, but he's not going to be asked to block very much. He's a receiving tight end out on the perimeter. they got another receiver, Drake London. Drake London and Kyle Pitts are both two guys that go get jump balls or possession receivers. It actually fits well with their offense. They're conservative. They're not worried about speed. They're worried about catching the ball, making big body moves. Um, I I am I don't love Atlanta's head coach, but I think Desmond Ritter does fit into what Arthur Smith is trying to do in Atlanta. They're going to run the ball a ton, a lot of play action, and use Desmond Ritter's ability to run zone reads, make it tougher for the defenders in the box run sprint outs on the goal line or in short yardage to get him on the perimeter where he can run or throw. But the big question this fall, and it, it has to do with Arthur Smith, Desmond Ritter, their relationship, and, and the kind of coaching he gets. Will Falcons head coach Arthur Smith trust Desmond Ritter to throw in a key moment or two this fall? How about at all? Maybe all year. Like every game, there's going to be a couple key moments. Third and three. Third and five. And in those moments last year in Atlanta, they ran the football. And sometimes they succeeded. Sometimes they converted like a third and five running the ball. And you're like, oh my goodness. This is just a, man, a dominant force running the football. But I, I'd like to see Atlanta trust their quarterback. Say, hey, it's third and five. Uh, it's a little long. Third and six. Let, let's not run the football. Let's throw here. A key moment third or fourth down, on the goal line, in the red zone, whatever you say, whatever a big moment qualifies to you. Will Atlanta trust Desmond Ritter to make a play or two? That's the question to me. Um, but I, I, I find myself very optimistic. Hey, I want to give a shout out to Washington and Atlanta. Finding creative solutions, not spending a ton of money. And you could call them cheap. I don't think so. I think it's, it's a mix of patience and um, the willingness to try something different. I see a lot of teams making insane moves, giving Carson Wentz big money, giving, you know, that was last year, but there are a lot of teams that have made really big moves when it comes to finding a quarterback. What did, you know, the Colts did this a couple years in a row. And I like that Atlanta and Washington said this year, we've got second year quarterbacks who did some good stuff last year. And let's just be patient. Let's support them. Let's build a good team around him. Try to try to give them a good situation. And see what happens. It's a fun experiment. They'll tell you they're super confident. I don't fully buy that. But I am hopeful. And I really, really like the quarterback situation, both for Washington and Atlanta. I can't wait to see what happens. And uh, I hope that both of these young men become franchise quarterbacks in their own respect. That would be very, very cool to see. All right. Um, a bunch of NFL players were suspended for violating the NFL's gambling policy. So three guys were suspended indefinitely. Uh, they're out for at least the entire 2023 season. That is Demetrius Taylor, who was an NFL free agent at the time, and then Isaiah Rogers and Rashad Berry, both who were playing for the Colts, but now have been, since been released. They are out. Um, and then Titans right tackle Nicholas Petit uh, Fre Ferrer? 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 It's 
It's not spelled. It's called spelled F R E R E. I've heard it said Ferrer, but I don't know. I I don't try. Like who knows? I'd love to hear the guy say it himself. Um, he's out for six games to start the year. He gambled on other sports while in the team facility. That is therefore a violation of the NFL's gambling policy. The NFL came down really, really hard. Um, you know, Isaiah Rogers and Rashad Berry were gambling on NFL games. That is just stupid. Don't do it. Um, it makes me wonder. They did an investigation to find this out. How did they find out? Did the sports books tell the NFL? That's probably what happened, right? Is the sports book said, hey, Caesar's Palace or whatever, like, hey, uh, you know, we have these NFL players gambling in, in games. We should probably tell the NFL. It, it's so, I don't, there's not a long conversation to be had here, in my opinion. Hey, if you're an NFL player, um, don't gamble. Don't do it. Uh, apparently not even on other sports. It's too risky. I, if I were an NFL player, don't touch it. Like, you're making a ton of money. You got a good life. I, I know, you know, the Nicholas Petit Ferrer, he, he gambled on, like, women's basketball or something, but he was at the NFL Titans. He was at the Titans practice facility. That's a violation. So if you're an NFL player, just don't gamble. Wait till you're done. You got a ton of money. Enjoy your career. I, I just, just don't do it. Don't, don't do any sports betting. It's not very hard to me. But here's why a lot of people were saying, you know, this punishment is way too harsh. How can you, it's just an insane amount of time, indefinitely a whole year for gambling? What? Here's why the NFL did this. They are coming down really, really hard. They're setting a precedent. When you have NFL players gambling on the NFL, I I think it's very possible that one of the players... Um, he bet on his own team. I don't, you know, like that's really stupid, but maybe he bet that his team would win, right? Maybe he bet that like, yeah, our guys are awesome. I believe in us. I'm going to bet on us. Like I understand that it's a vote of confidence maybe, but it's not smart because <clears throat> when you have players gambling on the game they're playing in, it throws the integrity of the game into question. And you shouldn't ever even have to question it. The minute you qu start questioning, hey, is the NFL rigged or scripted? We already got enough problems with referees. We don't need the players gambling as well. So if you have to even question the integrity of the game, it's already been violated. Therefore, it's a breach of the integrity of the game. And you have to give a really, really harsh punishment. One more time. These players who gambled while in the NFL, particularly the ones who gambled on NFL games or on, on stuff related to football, you're violating the integrity of the game. I understand why they were punished the way they were. Um, it's just like, hey, if your business is football, don't gamble in football. Like, don't, don't mess with the thing you got going. Um, I think the punishment makes sense. Now, notice who these guys are. We're not seeing Patrick Mahomes do it. We're not seeing high-profile, big-time players doing it. Not really. we got one starter, Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, right tackle for Tennessee. That's a big deal. That sucks. But, um, man, I, I just don't think there's a long conversation we had beyond what I said. It's just you can't do it. I get why you can't do it. And I'm curious, does anyone disagree with me? Like, does anyone think, hey, you know— when you throw the game into question, maybe we, we should support that. Maybe that's okay. Maybe we shouldn't act like that's a serious offense. I don't know. But I, I'm curious if anyone thinks I'm, I'm off base here. I think it is a big deal. I think if you are violating the integrity of the football game, if you're making people wonder whether the game is legit or not, that's a problem and that can't happen. So I'd love to hear feedback. If anyone disagrees, let me know. I, I'm, I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are. I don't really want to have a long conversation about gambling uh, and, and you know players doing it. I, I want to say one thing. I, I worry that I come across as biased here. Um, I'm open for business. The show is back, and uh, I have I've told my sponsors behind the scenes I am open to accepting gambling sponsorships here. So I was in crawl spaces doing HVAC. I'm like, you know what? I should just take the money. I, I should stop um, 
I'm literally like, crawling in dirt and rat poop, like trying to make a line set work, a refrigerant line. And I'm like, I should just go back to doing strong opinion sports and I'll take the gambling money. Fine, fine, let's do it. So that's, I have lightened up on gambling in general, but NFL players shouldn't gamble. That's just not, not a smart thing at all. By the way, I talked about, you know, my sponsors behind the scenes. There's a problem right now. For some reason, the show isn't appearing on Apple Podcasts. I don't know why. There's like a, I had to move things around with where I hosted the podcast. And so um, it's now on Spotify. It's not on Apple Podcasts. And I'm working on it. I, I You know, it's we're three episodes into the return. We're coming back. We're doing the best we can. Um, you know, we're like... <laughs> I, I, they're my favorite I used to love the podcast called the Game Over Greggy Show and they always call their company the Garbage Truck on Fire right they are just doing their best to make it happen I'm, I'm doing my best to keep everything going and keep the lights on um, so you know I'm trying to get better with every episode and little things like that we're ironing out as we go alright um, here's a, a really interesting question to me is Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson going to be good this fall? Last year, he was suspended for most of the year. He only played in six games. He was 3-3 three and three as a starter. Threw for 1,102 yards, seven touchdowns, five interceptions. He also ran for a touchdown. Now, on paper, Cleveland has a good football team. They've got Nick Chubb at running back, Amari Cooper at receiver, Elijah Moore, David Njoku at tight end. What I hope from Cleveland is that they can make the AFC North interesting. Pittsburgh and Baltimore are teams that are, you know, Pittsburgh's going to be, I think, better this year than they were last year. They got a young quarterback. Hopefully he's going to take a step forward. I don't know what to expect from Baltimore yet. I got to do more research and kind of see how things are shaken out there. Cincinnati's clearly the best team in the AFC North, in my opinion. Like, by a lot, actually. It's not even close. But can Cleveland challenge Cincinnati? That's the question. A lot of that's going to come down to Deshaun Watson. He's got a whole year in the system. He's going to play all, you know, all 17 games this year, barring an injury. I'm, I'm fascinated. I don't like what happened with him off the field. I still don't really like him. He's kind of a meme. He's kind of a guy I'm, I'm very wary of as a human being. But last time, I, I got to be honest and objective here, the last time I watched Deshaun Watson play in Houston, he was really, really good. He was a really good quarterback. Can he be what he was? Like, there was a year where his last year in, in Houston, he was like playing at an MVP level. His team was awful around him. He had no support and no help. But he did something really cool. He didn't allow the bad organization around him to pull him down. He made good decisions. Everything he could control, he did really well. So can Deshaun Watson play well this fall? We'll find out. Remember, he signed a five-year, $230 million contract. $230 million fully guaranteed. Now, they did restructure his contract a little bit. Um, so now they moved some money around, lowered the salary cap hit this year for Deshaun Watson. So next year... 2024, 2025, and 2026, he's a $64 million salary cap hit to Cleveland. That is insane. Now, maybe the salary cap keeps going up, <clears throat> and that money sounds more and more reasonable. And there is an out now after 2027 if Cleveland wants it. But you're paying a quarterback that kind of money. He better be good. Pressure's on. And again, I'm telling you, despite my dislike for him as a person, you know what? Deshaun Watson played really well. Last time he was a starting quarterback in Houston, he was really good. Like, bias aside, the dude played at a high level. And I, I'm curious if he can play at a high level again in Cleveland. All right, let's end today with some questions from Patreon. If you want to support the show, please do support the show. It, it really matters. Like, if you want the show to keep going... Um, you know, it, it, it helps a lot if you support the show on Patreon. Please do patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. Patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. It's a dollar a month. That's $12 a year. Now, if you submit questions to the show, I do not guarantee to read your question on Patreon. My only guarantee 
is I look at every single question with my eyeballs, but you know, I look, I'm reading as much as I can. I really love interacting with the audience this way. It's the best way to do it. And I love it. By the way, before we do, I got a message on Patreon. Uh, Nicholas says, AAV stands for annual average value. Listening to your podcast, just thought you should know. So yeah, I Nicholas, A, thank you. B, I realized this after recording, but I never said anything about it. So yes, thank you, Nicholas, for the correction. Um, AAV, I was talking about tight ends, and Darren Waller in New York is making $17 million. His AAV was the highest in the NFL. Annual average value, that's what that means. Now, Stephen writes in on Patreon. Oh, I, I spoke too soon. I should probably open my... Um, my Google Doc sheet with all my, my Patreon questions. Uh, Steven writes in. Steven says, Hello, Zach. I was wondering how you felt about Sean Payton becoming the Broncos head coach. Do you think that Russell Wilson is washed? Or it was simply a down year for him last year? I want to make something very, very clear. I very, very much believe in Russell Wilson this fall. I think he's going to be outstanding. A return to form. A Pro Bowl outstanding year that makes people go, oh, wow. Like, we forgot how good this guy is. I didn't forget. But the Russell Wilson aside, the thing I, I'm really giving the most value here to is Sean Payton. It's less about Russell Wilson. It's Yes, Russell Wilson was great before, and he's got a good arm and, and good skill set. But the reason why Russell Wilson's going to look really good this fall, in my opinion, is because of Sean Payton. I am giving a lot of weight to how good of a coach Sean Payton is. I remember, I've talked about this on the show before, I remember reading Drew Brees' book. Drew Brees lost his job in San Diego as the Chargers quarterback to Phillip Rivers. He got replaced. He got hurt. They didn't want him. They cast him aside. He's coming back from a shoulder injury. There's not a lot of faith in him. Like a lot of, in fact, there's a lot of people that have questions about how good really is Drew Brees. Very similar to the position Russell Wilson's in now. And Drew Brees was given a lot of confidence by Sean Payton. Sean Payton said, I believe in you. And through his actions, through his words, through the way he was coached, Sean Payton gave Drew Brees a lot of confidence. When Drew Brees, early on in, in practice, threw a ball really short, and he's thinking like, oh no, is it my arm? My arm is not healthy. You know, I got a shoulder injury. I'm coming back. Maybe I can't throw like I used to before. Sean Payton said one thing very simple. He said, use your legs. He's like, no, it's not your arm, dude. You, you just got to use your legs to throw. And it clicked for, for Drew Brees. He got the coaching he needed. In Seattle, as a starting quarterback, Russell Wilson developed a lot of bad habits. He had a bad offensive line for years. I would borderline negligence by the Seahawks organization for not giving Russell Wilson a proper offensive line. And they never really had a great offensive coordinator. Not one that I was like, oh, finally, an offensive genius here to help Russ. No, it, it just, oh, it was irritating. They invented the sixth offensive lineman literally because they couldn't block for Russell Wilson. It was pathetic. So he had bad habits he learned in Seattle. Russ learned how to be Superman. And, and try to carry a football team to win. It was not healthy. That's because he had no help and didn't have the proper support. Then last year in Denver, Russell Wilson had no support when it came to coaching. He had Nathaniel Hackett as his head coach. Denver brought in Nathaniel Hackett hoping he could recruit Aaron Rodgers. Remember, he was a Packers offensive, co or offensive coordinator quarterback coach. Can't remember. Now, Luke Getz, he was a quarterback coach. He was a Packers offensive coordinator. Denver hires him as head coach, hoping they'll get Aaron Rodgers. They didn't, and they were like, crap. Well, now we got to get a quarterback, so let's trade for Russell Wilson. But that's, these two were not supposed to ever pair together, Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson. And Nathaniel Hackett was not equipped properly to help Russ succeed when he needed to. It was a disaster. It was horrible. And what I saw from Russell Wilson last year, was a crisis of confidence. When you start believing all the negative things people are saying about you, you start struggling a little bit. And then, look, I get criticism all the time. So does Russell Wilson. Not the same level, I'm sure. But it's hard when your life is publicly on display. 
and people are saying mean stuff about you. You're like, ah, and you start to wonder, oh man, is that, is that true? And then the minute you have a loss or two, then the criticism hits really hard and your confidence is just faltering. I've had a crisis of confidence before. I've seen it. So I know it when I see it. I've, I've had it happen to myself. Russell Wilson was, the story he told himself was, hey, we didn't work in Seattle because I didn't get what I, need, what I needed around me. That was the story. That's what he told himself. And then uh, in Denver, things started going south again. And now he's been on two teams, Seattle and Denver, where things weren't going well. And Russ started to wonder, hey, am I just bad? Am I not salvageable? I got this new coach. I'm in a new system. I got a good team around me. All the media's hyping me up. And it's not working. I think Sean Payton's going to solve all of this mental aspect stuff going on with Russell Wilson. Look up Trevor Moad. Trevor Moad was kind of a advisor, confidant, psychologist, whatever you want to call it. He was the hype man on Russell Wilson's payroll. Like he was the guy who helped Russell Wilson get his mind right. Russell Wilson's dad is gone. He died. And then as, as close as, to, and I'm really close to my dad. So I, I, what, I say that because Russ didn't have a father figure helping guide him in Seattle. Then Trevor Moad, his, I don't, I don't know what the right word is. I don't mean any disrespect. He wrote a book. He seems like kind of a guru, self-help, really good guy when it comes to helping your headspace. Trevor Moad also died. So not only was Russell Wilson struggling on the field, struggling in Seattle gets traded, then struggling in Denver. His support system, the guy he leaned on, Trevor Moad, also wasn't there. He's not on the planet anymore. That's really sad, by the way. It's horrible. Russ needs someone to connect with him on a, a, you know, a, an emotional level and help him get his head right. And once he solves that, he can be the all-pro quarterback he once was. But Sean Payton did that for, Russell, for Drew Brees. And then Sean Payton, Sean Payton built an offense that worked best for Drew Brees. They're going to do the same thing for Russell Wilson. In fact, I think Russ running the Saints offense is such an exciting thought. Getting the ball really quick. There, there's like so many parallels between Russell Wilson and Drew Brees. When Russell Wilson was drafted, I remember saying, you know why Russ can work as a short quarterback? Because of Drew Brees, the other short quarterback who gets the ball really quick, is really accurate. I can't wait. I, I really believe in Russell Wilson in Denver. Running Sean Payton's offense. Getting the coaching he needs on and off the field. From a mental aspect and from a play design and play calling perspective. I think Russ is going to be awesome in Denver. And it's because of Sean Payton. So how do I feel about Sean Payton getting hired in Denver? I think it's a home run. It's going to be beautiful and awesome. And I love it. All right, Florida Man writes in. Well, let's, let's back up. Just another Florida Man. I love that name so much. It says, Zach is back. Hey, Zach. I would love to hear your thoughts on Sam Howell coming into this year. As it looks likely, the commanders will be giving him a shot at the starting role. This is a guy who was in the conversation to be the number one overall pick and then nosedived in his last year after all of his weapons got drafted and the team around him was dreadful. The one stat that really sticks out to me about uh, is about how weird the 2021 offense at North Carolina was. They had him run the ball 183 times that year. That's 15 rushes a game. For a guy who isn't an elite athlete, it's insane to think that the offense had him running so much that he ended with the fourth highest attempts in the ACC that year. I know he isn't going to come out and suddenly be a top five quarterback, but are people sleeping on Sam Howell and the commanders? If their revamped offense, if the revamped offensive line can show some improvement from last year, I think he has a real shot to surprise some people. Pumped for the return of those sweet, sweet SOS updates. Thank you, Florida man. I love you. Appreciate you. Everyone's social media feed is different. The social media feed I've been getting is a lot of people saying, Sam Howell's amazing. He's going to be incredible. It's going to be awesome. Like predictions galore. So I think people are actually starting to, I, I don't know any, anyone sleeping on Sam Howell, but it's also, that's the, you know, I, there's so much media out there and 
the the glimpse of the world you're seeing could be very different from the glimpse of the world I'm seeing. We're not all seeing the same stuff. But the clips I'm seeing is people making predictions that Sam Howell's going to be awesome. I think part of that's because people are, you know, really trying to be first. They don't want to miss out on predicting him doing well so they can go back and say, look at what I said in June, July, August. I was right. Remember what I was right? I told you Sam Howell would be good. People like throw out predictions like crazy and... um. I, I think I make accurate predictions often. I, I try to very rarely come back and say, told you so. In fact, I make more content about the times I'm wrong because that's more interesting. It's easy to just say, this guy's going to be good. But I like what you said, Florida man, that, you know, his weapons in college, his junior year, or whatever whatever year that was, I, I his eligibility is all confused because it was the Rona and it, everything's messed up. But his second to last year in college, he had a, a lot of really good players around him. Then they got drafted and left. And so he didn't have the same players around him and didn't play as well. That's not complicated. That makes sense. And he is the same talented player that people thought was a first-round pick. I think rankings are kind of silly. But I, I do think there's a really good chance that Sam Howell is really good this fall. Is he ever going to be Patrick Mahomes. No. No. But he could be a cheap option at quarterback who can win. And I don't see why Sam Howell couldn't win a lot of games with a really good team around him. But I do, I do ask this question. Is Washington tanking? I don't think so. But how confident are they in him? I, the reason I don't think they're tanking is because I said this earlier. They got so many good players around him. It'd be a, why waste a year with a good team and a bad quarterback? I think they think he can do something. I don't know that they realize how good or bad he can be, but they're rolling the dice and saying, we think this young guy can be good. Let's find out. The biggest crime here is that if Washington is just being cheap, they don't want to spend a lot of money at the quarterback position. That's the biggest crime here. If that's what's happening, they're like, we don't want to, we don't want to pay for a quarterback. They don't have the best ownership in the world. I, I don't think they're doing that, but... I wouldn't put it past them. And and let's also be clear, when it comes to making moves, they did the easiest thing they possibly could. Absolutely nothing. Hey, uh, we don't we don't have a quarterback this fall. What are we gonna do? Ah, oh, we got that rookie kid. Let's just do that again. I don't think that's what's actually happening. I think they they had Sam Howell in the building. They like what he can do, they think he's good enough, and they're gonna try to win with him. It's a fun experiment. I really like the experiment. But are people sleeping on him? Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know what, who does that, who are the people? I don't know. But I, I think he can be solid. And um, certainly, like, you know, he's got weapons around him. So there's not a lot of excuses you can make for Sam Howell because they've got Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, two really good receivers, Antonio Gibson, Logan Thomas, a couple good running backs. Like, they, they've got a good defense. I mean, the same reason I thought Washington could be good last year with Carson Wentz remains the same reason why I think they could be good this year with Sam Howell. They got a good squad. They just need a quarterback to execute, not make horrible boneheaded decisions, and uh, I think Sam Howell could be that guy. Now, Connor writes in, Connor says this. Yo, welcome back, my guy. Which quarterback are you hoping takes the biggest leap forward this year? Connor, I, I couldn't just pick one. We're going to talk about six guys that I want to see take a big step forward this fall. Number one is Mac Jones. Mac Jones is a Patriots quarterback. And um, man, oh man, you know, he's had kind of a rough time in the NFL. He has not really had a proper offensive coordinator so far. Um, at least not last year. You know, they had Josh McDaniels and he left. And so now, um, last year in New England, they had this like, is it Joe Judge? Is it Matt Patricia? What's happening here? They had like a defensive coordinator basically running their offense half the time. It was very weird and confusing. And there never was officially an offensive coordinator named in New England. Well, now guess what? They got Bill O'Brien. I was actually watching Bill O'Brien coach quarterbacks at the Shrine Bowl um, and I think it was February 
I think I was in Vegas in February, I believe. Something like that. And uh, maybe January. I think it's February, though. But I think him, Bill O'Brien, and Bill Belichick could work really well together. The two Bills. I got a picture of the two Bills with Dorian Thompson-Robinson between them getting coached. I think it's awesome. Like, oh my gosh, that's right there. The, the DTR, the two Bills. Oh my God, it's awesome. When I saw the Patriots hire Bill O'Brien, I went, oh my God, finally. Like, thank goodness they actually have a real legitimate offensive coordinator. And one that I think is going to be good and do well. So that's why I expect Mac Jones to make a step forward is that he's going to be supported with good coaching on offense, finally. They've got a good running game. Reminder, Stevens at running back. They added Juju Smith-Schuster. They've got Devontae Parker at receiver. Tight end Hunter Henry. They got some decent stuff going on in New England, but most importantly, they've got a, you know, a, a real offensive coordinator. And uh, I don't know why you, why, why can't Mac Jones play well this fall? And, and what I'd like to see is him take a step forward and be even better this year. Another quarterback I want to see take a step forward is Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. In my estimation, I think Tennessee could challenge Jacksonville for sure. They are another good roster. But in my estimation, the Jaguars are the best team in their division, the AFC South. And if Trevor Lawrence gets even better the way I think he can this fall, that's a playoff team that wins their division and is awesome. So I I really, um, you know, I, I love that Trevor came in and very quickly the Jaguars are in the conversation. They are good. It doesn't surprise me. It's very cool. And uh, I just, I I like what the Jaguars are doing. I feel very optimistic. I want to see Trevor take a step forward. Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh. I want to see Kenny Pickett build off what he did last year with the Steelers. They've got good players around him. He's being supported. They got Najee Harris at running back, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, Deontay Johnson. They added Allen Robinson, an older 29-year-old veteran receiver, but a guy who still can play and do some good stuff. I'm hopeful Allen Robinson can contribute and be good. I want to see Kenny Pickett take a step forward as a young quarterback who's hopefully going to keep improving. I feel the same about Justin Fields. Justin Fields, I, I think still you got to be patient with him. I, I want to compare Justin Fields to C.J. Stroud in Chicago. Here's what I mean by that. I want to acknowledge how bad the Bears were and that they still have a lot of room to keep getting better. So it's another year, hopefully, where Justin Fields gets better, grows as a passer. You know, they traded for Chase Claypool midseason last year. You know, he's now had a whole offseason Chase Claypool has to learn the offense. But I'm I'm being intentionally patient with Justin Fields, and I want people to do the same thing with C.J. Stroud when it comes to his third year in Houston. Be patient. Give it time. Let him develop. He's a young quarterback. And more importantly, he's a young quarterback in an organization that was absolutely awful when he got there. Be patient. Let it develop. But I want to see Justin Fields get better as a passer this year, succeed a little more. That's what I want to see. But I don't expect him to make the playoffs. Don't let's, let's be realistic and acknowledge where the Bears were when Justin Fields got drafted. You're not going to change the entire culture and fate of an organization in a year and a half. Give it time, let him develop, and more importantly, let the Chicago Bears around him continue to improve as an organization. I want to see Jared Goff take a step forward. I, I want to see the Lions transition from a team that is hard to beat to a team that starts winning consistently. And that's the kind of leap forward I want to see from Jared Goff. Is I think he's a good quarterback who, man, I mean, he took the Rams to a Super Bowl with a good football team around him. And I think that's a different Jared Goff then in L.A. than we see now. Now we see a a more mature Jared Goff who's had more years to learn and grow. So I want to see Jared Goff take a step forward as a quarterback this fall. I'm excited. I'm hopeful. And again, that that word is I I don't want to see the Lions be a team that we're like, oh, man, that's going to be a tough win because they they compete with everybody. Last year they were tough to beat, but you still beat them usually. This year I want to see the Lions go from hard to beat to winning consistently. And then another quarterback to keep your eye on that I'd like to see take a step forward is Daniel Jones. 
Daniel Jones is the Giants quarterback. He got a four-year, $160 million contract. That sounds like a vote of confidence, doesn't it? Wow, we believe in him. But it's really more of a three-year deal that they can walk out of after two years. So it's kind of like a two-year deal where if they don't like what's going on after two years, they can walk away. I am very curious whether or not Daniel Jones makes it to the end of his four-year contract. I like him. I'd like to see that happen. I, I saw a meme today that called him Clumsy Kirk Cousins. I think that's funny. But I'd like to see Daniel Jones take a step forward and earn that contract. They, they paid him because they didn't want to lose him. They're like, he, he did well last year with Brian Dable. We want to keep him. They almost franchise tagged him, but they decided to give him a contract instead. And I'm, I'm really curious to see what he can do. I, I'd like to see Daniel Jones take a step forward. But again, I, I'm very curious. Does he make it to the end of that four-year contract? If he wants to, he's going to have to play even better this fall. It, this should be the beginning of him getting better and better and better every year. And uh, I'm, I'm optimistic and interested in, to see what, in seeing what Daniel Jones can do this fall as a Giants quarterback. And they brought in Darren Waller at tight end. They're making moves. They're trying to support him. I love it. All right, let's end the show today with two, you know, we talked about sports a lot. I got two questions non-sports related that I think are fun and interesting. Let, let's do it. Joshua writes in and says, have you been able to play any Tears of the Kingdom yet? That's a new Zelda game. If you have, favorite new thing? If you haven't, hope you can. I have not. Um, I want to at some point. But I, I do want to give a shout out to a game I have been playing. I, I've been playing Madden. Madden 11 still. Xbox 360. I, you know, I've got the game. I've got three copies of the game. PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. I will. Madden 11 is the best Madden ever made. You cannot argue with me. I play with Pat White. I play as a Houston Texans. I, man, I had this awesome offense. I put Deshaun Jackson at running back because I, I love the, the flat route from the running back. It just, it's dominating. And you send Andre Johnson deep. And Pat White, Andre Johnson, Deshaun Jackson, unstoppable. Yes, Pat White, the quarterback who can run. It's so much fun. I love it. But what I want to talk about when it comes to video games here is that, um, and I want to give a shout out to, Mr. Christopher Reagan, my favorite podcast is a podcast called Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. I love it. I love, I'm a huge video game nerd. I don't know if anybody knows that. And Chris always says something, you know, don't be afraid to go swing around to go back to games that you think you should love, but didn't vibe in that moment. So I did. I, I'd never played Witcher 3. I'd tried before. It didn't work. You know, the, the game is so big. It felt overwhelming. I'm like, how am I going to find time to play this? Well, I just said, hey, I'm going to play Witcher 3 for the rest of 2023. Like, I've got, I'll put like eight months into the game and just have fun with it. Whenever I have free time occasionally, sit down, do a quest or two. Go find an objective on the map. And it went from this daunting, horrifying thing. This game is so big, how am I going to ever play it all? To like, actually, I'm, I'm comforted by how big it is. Like, when I was on the plane, I had it on my Switch. And I'm on the plane flying to Hawaii. I'm like, five hours to like run around this world and adventure and have fun. It was awesome. I loved it. Uh, so I just encourage you, if there's a video game that's like a really, everyone says, hey, this game's amazing. Um, and you're like, I, you know, I love games. I don't know why this one's not connecting with me. Don't be afraid to swing back around and try it multiple times until it sticks because sometimes you're just not in the right headspace. You're like, I just, this rhythm of life isn't working. I'm, I'm not feeling this game right now. But you swing back and eventually one of the times you're like, oh, I finally get it. And it's so fun and it's awesome. So uh, I've been playing Witcher 3 and it's probably the only game I'm going to play for the rest of the year. It's so big and overwhelming. But it's not actually overwhelming anymore. Now it's it's a fun adventure and I get to explore and I'm in no hurry so I can just take my time and have fun with it. And that's the way you play a game like that. And it's it's glorious and awesome. And what a value. I got it for like 12, 15 bucks or something like that on sale in the Nintendo store. And... Uh, that I got that I got it like two years ago, or whenever it came out, you know. And it just a little. I, the first sale after it came out is when I bought it on Switch, and it's been sitting there taunting me like I should play that someday. And I also, of course, own it on Xbox and PlayStation. I'm like, I've never, I, I've tried this game so many times. Finally, it clicked, and I love it. Playing on my Switch, it runs really well. And if you want a game to just, you know, whenever you got free time, kind of time filler, it's fun. It's an adventure. The storylines are really interesting. The quests are good. Geralt is a great character. 
I recommend Witcher 3, and especially on the Switch, it actually, it runs great. And it's like, I'm holding it in my hand. Here, one sec. You know, I've got this, this incredible case for my Switch, the HyperX case. You can't even buy this case anymore, but it charges your Switch too. So like it, it more than doubles the battery life. But I hold the Switch in my hand and I'm just like, I can't, I can't believe that, you know, I just, I'm awestruck that this game, Witcher 3, can be played just like in my hands. It's, it's truly amazing. Like I just am, I'm blown away. Like how, how can I, how can a game this big and amazing be a game I just play handheld? It's, God, I love where technology is going. Someday I want to buy a Steam Deck. We don't have the money for that right now, but it, it, I love mobile gaming. I, or, or I love handheld gaming. And uh, getting able to play like truly AAA amazing games in your hands is uh, it's mind-blowing. Final question of the day. Not about sports, more about life and adventures. Griffin says, I have so many questions and very few of them are related to sports. Since I have also lived in a truck... What was the worst night you've ever spent in your truck and why? Mos mosquito cloud inside the truck on Lake Superior was mine. Lake Superior, Minnesota. Look, the mosquitoes in Minnesota are no joke. Land of the lakes, like a thousand lakes in that state. I lived there as a kid briefly. Um, you know, you don't wear perfume in Minnesota. You wear off. Off is your perfume. It's your cologne. It's everything. That off mosquito repellent is... You can't survive without it. It's like you'll see a cloud of mosquitoes when you walk around a lake in summer in Minnesota. It is no joke. And the thing I, I'll never forget about Minnesota is when a tornado happens. I saw one go over my house once it landed a couple blocks away. The sky turns green, like this eerie green, and it'll rain a little bit and it's warm. And you're like, it's warm. It's green. What's happening? And then a tornado hits. You're like, oh, that's that's what that is. Okay. I understand. Now, the worst night of my truck. Um... Well, there was a shooting in Vegas that I was I was parked in a Planet Fitness parking lot uh, sleeping, and there was like a shooting going on. I was I was in the the rough side of, of Vegas. Vegas is not all you, know, you get out of the Strip and it's kind of like the Wild West. There was a, a a shooting going on in the parking lot, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And I'm I'm getting ready to leave, and the cops are like, "Dude, you got to leave right now." And I'm like, "Oh, I know. I'm in. I'm in." I'm hurrying, man. I'm trying to get out of here. I don't want to be here any longer than I have to. Like, there's literally like a shooting over there. I'm like, I don't want to get shot at. It was horrifying. That was that was pretty rough. Um, and then another night, I was sleeping at a Walmart in outside of San Luis Obispo, my favorite town on the mainland. I love San Luis Obispo. Reminds me of Hawaii a ton. It's just a beautiful little mountainy town near the beach in California, central coast of California. Uh, a hidden gem. What a beautiful place. But um, although this story is going to probably ruin it. So I'm in Pismo Beach outside of Slow, sleeping at a Walmart, which they let people sleep. Like Walmart, pretty great place to sleep at night. They, they let campers and people who've got truck builds or van builds sleep in their truck, you know, out, out in the parking lot overnight. So I'm camping out. Um, but some guy was doing like really hardcore drugs in the parking lot. So the cops got called and were like telling everyone to leave. And I'm, I'm dead asleep. And I hear this like... Hey, you got to leave. And I'm like, oh. so I think that's, you know, the, the two nights that were the worst in the truck, Griffin, were um, when something happened outside of my truck where I was parked and my sleep got interrupted. That that was like the worst thing. Because otherwise, I liked it. It was cozy. It was nice. I, I liked the small little space. Um, I'm not even kidding with you. I have never slept better in my entire life than I did in the back of my truck. Something about the cool air and... The being outside part, I just, I, I sleep really well outside and uh, I loved it. Now, another night that wasn't a bad night, it's actually a really positive memory, but it was horrifying. Um, I was in Northern California. It was, I don't remember. I want to say it was like January. I was at Mount Shasta when an atmospheric river came through. It was the biggest, you know, storm in like, it was either 30 years or 70 years, some crazy amount of time. Biggest storm in years and years. Like Sacramento, the whole valley was flooded. There's flooding everywhere. I was driving down the freeway and it was raining so hard with my wipers at full tilt and I just put Rain-X like the week before. I couldn't see anything. It was horrifying. So I pull off um, at a, like off the road. I'm, I'm kind of parked in the woods. There's a lot of cars. Just everyone pulls off. We're like, what do we do? We're, we can't drive. So I go to sleep in the back of my truck and a tree fell on the car next to mine. And I was like, Oh, well, I'm going to move. This ain't good. 
And I, I eventually I kept driving down the mountain. I couldn't see, but I'm like, I'm like, I can't stay here. I got to drive a little farther. Uh, I finally get to a rest stop near Mount Shasta and the power goes out. There's cars everywhere. I, I got like the last parking spot somehow. I'm sleeping in the back of my truck and it was raining so hard that rain was, my canopy's waterproof. Like water never gets on my canopy. It was great. Except for this one time, this atmospheric river. Water was coming, it was raining so hard that it was coming in under and through the side into the back of the canopy where I'm sleeping. So like it's raining insane. I'm getting wet. My sleeping bag's wet. I'm wet. No matter what I did, like you could not escape the rain that night. And that sounds miserable, but it was actually like a fun adventure. The car falling was crazy. It was loud. It was horrifying. I'm very glad it wasn't my car, but because it wasn't my car, it was kind of like, oh, wow, that was a unique experience. And then it, it sucked to be wet, but I loved the sound of the rain. It was like a, it felt like a once in a lifetime experience. This, I got a metal roof. The rain's insane. Um, I have no phone service. There's no power. It was, it was really, truly like. That sounds horrible, but it, it ended up being like a, a memory I think of fondly. Like, oh, that was a really cool, interesting night. Like, I just, I loved that one. And uh, so, Griffin, those are some memories. I, I really want to be clear. I had the best time. Like, I, I really drove around in my truck and had all these adventures. And I didn't make content about it. Like, not really. I, I wanted to and I had a lot of stuff go wrong. But I, I if I could ever do it again, um, if I get really rich and can do it with lots of luxury, like, you know, have really good internet and Starlink and maybe like a camper and do it right and do it where it doesn't disrupt my life schedule. I can do a show four days a week and and truly like not at all. Really, the key is money there. Um, in like 10 years, I could see myself doing it for like a little bit of time in the summer because I really loved living on the road. It was so much fun and stuff went wrong, but it wasn't related to the road trip. I just love living in my truck. So guys, I'm going to go. I've been talking too long, but I love you so much. I appreciate you. Life is good. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. We're going to talk about the Lions draft class. We're going to talk about quarterbacks in college that I can't wait to watch. I love you. I appreciate you. And uh, bam, we are.